This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. You know, I really think the key to the appeal of both Donald Trump as a presidential candidate, particularly in 2016, but to some extent even in 2020, but especially in 2016, and the appeal to someone like Bernie Sanders as a presidential candidate, and maybe others, maybe folks like uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., going back a ways, maybe Ross Perot, I really think that the fact that Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump were willing to come out and say, hey, you know, the system's rigged. And it was a different form of rigging for both of them and a different form of rigging that they were focused on. But you really do get the sense that in almost every aspect of life, Big business and consumerism, the economy at large, anything having to do with banking and the Federal Reserve, real estate, the political system, the medical system, the auto manufacturing sector, organized labor, even at the local level to some extent, you just get the sense that everything's rigged against you. That no matter what we're talking about, whether we're talking about, uh, uh, I don't know, taxes or UFOs, There's this secret group of insiders that meets and decides the way things are. Let me tell you something. Based on what happened yesterday, I am becoming increasingly cynical. You know, there's a reason I like to showcase people like uh, Ralph Nader, for instance, because Ralph Nader to me is an example that one man can make a difference. One man can fight City Hall. It's why I like to tell stories about the um, about individuals making large-scale change. I like to tell stories about humans in the form of juries holding people accountable or um, helping right a wrong somehow. This is a story that I am betting you haven't heard anywhere. Do you know what the National Defense Authorization Act is? We've covered it more than, I think, just about any show. The the National Defense Authorization Act, or as they say for short, the NDAA, that's the name for a series of federal laws specifying the annual budget and expenditures of the Department of Defense. It was first passed in 1961, and it's passed basically every year since then. And because you know it has to pass, otherwise the military's not going to get funded, because it has to pass, and all the members of Congress know that it has to pass, they use this, in both parties, and this has been the case for many years, they use this as an opportunity to stick whatever they want to get in, in there. If they want to get uh, uh, something that's uh, cutting off funding to a group they don't like, they 
try and stick that in there. If they want to get something in there that uh, promotes, um, I don't know, what they call wokeism, they put that in there. There's always just, you know it has to pass because obviously we're going to fill, yeah, we're going to fund the military. But it becomes a catch-all for anything that's even ostensibly related to the military. And I was excited when Chuck Schumer made a point of making sure that it included a disclosure about UAPs. More on that in a minute. Well, yesterday, the Senate finally passed the National Defense Authorization Act. And, uh, you know, passed overwhelmingly bipartisan support. Now it's going to go to the United States Senate. They passed the the bill with, uh, it's an $886 billion defense spending fill, bill with pay raises for troops, with aid for Ukraine, and the next vote is up next in the House. Well, there are a couple of things that have been hidden in this bill Never really debated, never really talked about, but there's a couple of things in this bill that are going to make the country far less democratic. And there are a couple of things in this bill that will be a continued giveaway to the defense industrial complex at the expense of us, the people, the voters, the citizens. I want to thank Michael Tracy, uh, who's great on Twitter, and he really dug deep into this. He's been a guest on this show many times and looked at some of the things that's actually in this mammoth bill. And I may uh, get into this with uh, Brian Kilmeade uh, a little bit, but there's a lot of um, – we'll see what version the House passes, but it's probably going to be – Pretty similar to um, what the what the Senate passed. It might include a bit more money for border funding, and uh, they may there might be a battle over the Ukraine funding. We'll see. But this is what I want to focus on, and what the Senate has passed, tucked deep into the 2024 NDAA, is a provision that would allow the departments of the military. To, quote, initiate operational development activities, close quote, without congressional approval. Think about that. Basically, the translation, when you hear initiate operational development activities, that's new weapon systems. Congress, in passing this, is proactively forfeiting its authority To the Pentagon. It's saying, no, all right, Pentagon can do whatever it wants. Go ahead. You know, why is that in there? Why would Congress voluntarily vote to limit their own power? Well, I mean, look, I think we know the answer to that. There's probably two people in the U.S. Senate that actually read even the summaries of what's in this NDAA. This was written by a lobbyist for Boeing or for Raytheon or for Northrop Grumman or some similar entity. That's one thing that's tucked deep in this NDAA bill, this provision that would allow, without congressional approval, Congress to forfeit its authority to the Pentagon for new weapon systems. Well, there's a couple of other very interesting things in this. This NDAA 
effectively nullifies the NATO-Russia Founding Act of 1997, which was understood to prohibit the establishment of permanent U.S. or NATO bases in countries on Russia's border. Now, all bets are off. All bets are off. Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, they in particular have been lobbying for this. Now we can put NATO bases right on Russia's border. Do you think this is going to make America more or less safe? I think less. Do you think this makes the possibility of an armed conflict with Russia more or less likely? I think more. Why, you ask, would they do away with something that has been the law for over two decades? Well, because the people that are going to make a lot of money stocking those military bases in Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania with weapons are the very people that wrote this. Military, industrial, uh, lobbyists. That's it. They get paid big bucks from Boeing, Northrop Grumman, Raytheon to hire well-paid lobbyists who basically write the legislation. Boeing wins because then they get to cash massive amounts of taxpayer-funded checks. The lobbyist wins. He gets to cash a big check from Boeing. The senator or the member of Congress wins because they get wined and dined by a member, by a lobbyist or whomever. And a lot of campaign contributions as well. Who doesn't win? Well, you the taxpayer, because this we don't have the money for this. We're borrowing money to build these new bases. And who else wins? The people that get to sell these weapons. Nobody else. The 2024 NDAA, this is really outrageous, contains a provision which is widely understood as intended to block the ability of Trump to withdraw from NATO. It was sponsored by Senator Marco Rubio, a Republican, and Senator Tim Kaine, a Democrat. So this... It's called limitation on withdrawal from NATO. And that's the very provision. Section 1250A of the 2024 National Defense Industrial Act, uh, Authorization Act. So think about this. Let's say, because Trump has talked about this before, going back seven years, saying uh, we ought to withdraw from NATO. And it was that threat of withdrawal from NATO that got several NATO countries to start paying the 2% that they're required to, that uh, that they're supposed to be paying, and weren't. So now this effectively prohibits Trump or any other president from withdrawing from NATO. So now if Trump runs for president or Robert F. Kennedy Jr. or Cornell West or Jill Stein or Whomever the libertarians run, we know we know uh, Joe Biden's not going to do this. But if any of the other candidates other than Biden run for president next year on a platform of NATO withdrawal 
and the American people embrace that, they say, no, I don't want to go to war. I don't want to send American boys and girls to war to defend Latvia or Lithuania or Finland. I don't want to spend hundreds of millions of dollars and uh, if, if an attack on Montenegro occurs and we have to treat that like it's an attack on New Jersey, no, no, no. I'm voting for Trump because he wants to get out of that. This legislation... If it passes in its current form, actually prohibits the president from withdrawing from NATO. Now, this is amazing because one of the things that we've seen over the last 50 or 60 years is the growth of what people brighter than me have called the imperial presidency. And it's gone under, it's happened under Democrats and Republicans alike. The power of the presidency has grown tremendously. From the time of George Washington, you know, George Washington would not veto legislation even if he disagreed with it. George Washington believed, as the president, that a veto should only be used if legislation was unconstitutional. See, George Washington, what did he know? He was only the president of the Constitutional Convention. He was there when the Constitution was written. He didn't think that there was this magical Supreme Court that was going to claim for itself the right to nullify laws and declare them unconstitutional. No. George Washington, silly him, he thought it should be up to the people that swear an oath to uphold, protect, and defend the Constitution, like the president, to guard against unconstitutional legislation. This is so alarming. But what I was going to say about the imperial presidency, over the last 50, 60 years, more than that, but really since the uh, 50s, it's gotten particularly bad. The power of the presidency has mushroomed. It has grown exponentially. And there's a variety of factors for that. We can go into that if you want, or we can focus on that another day. And Congress, both houses, they've sat by and twiddled their thumbs while presidents in both parties claim more and more powers. And every year, whenever there's a Democrat in office, the Republicans that are running against him always say, we're not supposed to have a monarch. A president has become a monarch by any other name. And they're right. When there's a Republican in power, the Democrats say the same thing. They said it about George H.W. Bush. They said it about George W. Bush. They said it about Reagan. And, of course, they said it about Trump. And you're seeing this one time, while Congress has done nothing to limit the powers of the presidency, this one time, this is a rare occasion that Congress is actually moving to constrain the powers of the president. And it's amazing to me that the one time they actually flex their legislative muscle, it's to maintain the globalist interventionist consensus that Raytheon and the military-industrial complex would prefer. Uh, these are three awful aspects of the NDAA. And I haven't heard them talked about anywhere except by Michael Tracy. And I think this is bad news. First of all, I think it's bad news whenever Congress is passing these massive pieces of legislation that none of them are reading because they honestly don't know what's in it. But I think it's particularly bad when you're limiting the power of the president to withdraw from treaties. I think it's particularly bad when you're limiting the power of Congress to create new weapon systems. And I think it's particularly bad when it allows 
the United States and NATO to build borders right up, uh, excuse me, build military bases right up against the border of the country with the largest stockpile of nuclear weapons in the world. What could go wrong? Everything. Everything. If the House votes to pass this in its current form, I I think the only fair thing to do would be to have every member of both houses of Congress and both parties that voted yes on this to wear an Alfred E. Newman mask to the to the Capitol with the caption, what me worry? Oh, what's to worry about? Military bases on Russia's border? Ah, no big deal. President campaigns for getting out of NATO? Ah, who cares? Uh, military doesn't have to go to Congress to develop new weapons? Ah, what's Congress? They were only elected by the people. I find this absolutely crazy. And what I find crazier about this is almost no one else is talking about this. I'd love to hear your view. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. Uh, we have uh, five open lines. They're all yours if you want to comment. And, you know, I'm sorry to start with such a heavy subject, but this is important. And I got the sense that there's nobody really talking about this at all. Oh, now what about the UAP stuff that we've covered at length that uh, Chuck Schumer was sure to... Uh, try to get inserted into the NDAA. Well, oh, they have diluted that quite a bit. There's a much more diluted version of the UAP Disclosure Act that has passed the Senate. The diluted version does not create a review board. There's no subpoena power to access records that exist. Uh, Eminent domain was removed. I actually probably agree with that. So SpaceX can forget about getting its hands on UFO debris that Lockheed, Boeing, and Northrop Grumman, etc., have secretly acquired over the decades and would have been compelled to hand over to the review board as envisioned by the original legislation. So this NDAA significantly gutted the UAP disclosure aspects of this to make it not totally but almost meaningless. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. It's going to be interesting to see what this does on the disclosure front going forward. Um, curious to curious to see where it goes. I don't know. Uh, we're going to have some interesting folks on that subject on Tuesday, I believe, on this program. Working on putting that together. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Your calls and more straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. Oh, 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 oh,
jing. It's Dominic the donkey. Jingity jing. The Italian Christmas donkey. La 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 Santa's got a little friend. His name is Dominic. Love this. The cutest little donkey. You never see him kick. When Santa visits his paisans with Dominic, he'll be because the reindeer cannot climb the hills of Italy. Hey, jingity jing. Lumonti singing about Dominic the donkey. You know, I don't think I got sent songs by our listener of the week, uh, David K. Ball. And uh, in the absence of him claiming his his privilege as listener of the week to pick songs today, we're playing some fun Christmas music. So I love uh, Dominic the Donkey. They came out with a sequel to this song a few years ago, which was uh, pretty ridiculous, honestly. Hey, I'm going to get to your calls in a moment. A lot of folks eager to chat about the, um, the uh, National Defense Authorization Act. I want to give a shout-out to uh, all 13 of the senators that voted no on this. Handful of Democrats and a handful of Republicans, and I'm sure a lot of them had different reasons for doing it, but uh, Senator Booker of New Jersey, uh, Senator Braun of Indiana, Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri, uh, Senator Mike Lee of Utah, Senator Ed Markey of Massachusetts, Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky, Senator Loomis of Wyoming, Senator Bernie Sanders of Vermont, Senator J.D. Vance of Ohio, uh, Senator Wyden of Oregon, who we were just talking about the other day, Senator Welch of Vermont, a Democrat, and uh, Senator Warren of Massachusetts, Elizabeth Warren, obviously, a uh, Democrat. Uh, the 13 of them saw fit to vote against this mammoth behemoth of a bill, which none of them have read, and bipartisan, the other 87, they all applauded like seals and voted yes. I'll get to your reaction in just a moment. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. I'm going to talk with uh, Brian Kilmeade a little later about some... I'll, I'll bring, You know what I, I'm saving for him, honestly. I saw this incredible interview that Brett Baer did with uh, Vladimir Zelensky. And when I, somebody sent me the clip, and I said... Oh, you know, now, honestly, that Tucker Carlson is not with Fox News Channel, really, and, and it's great. I mean, it's great that they have different views and stuff, but except for Laura Ingram, almost every opinion commentator on that network is all for endlessly funding this war in Ukraine. I got to tell you, Brett Baer did this phenomenal interview with Zelensky, even though I know his sympathies lie with endlessly funding this war in Ukraine. I was blown away at this question that uh, he asked Zelensky. And I was similarly blown away by Zelensky's answer because Zelensky had to know that there was going to be that this question was going to come up. Really, it's the most obvious question that anybody would ask him right now. It was the first question I would ask him. And Brett Baer asked him very politely, almost um, as gently as possible, but it was a real question. And to me, in his response, Zelensky perfectly made the case for why this endless pool of money, of borrowed money, by the way, 
should not continue to go to Ukraine. So we're going to get into that. I'm going to play that for you a little later, and we're going to get into it with uh, Brian Kilmeade in a bit. As I mentioned, we um, recently got a new cat. This is We adopted it from my sister-in-law. My mother-in-law wanted to get it declawed, and uh, you, you know, obviously that's not a nice thing to do to cats. I think it's actually even against the law now in New York State. So my wife and I took this cat in because we recently lost two cats. And so we started to look at, well, my wife did this, not we, she. She started to look at uh, pet insurance. Now, I have said that during the last uh, two cats that we had, the one, Bathsheba, that had to go for chemotherapy every, every week, without pet insurance, we would have been bankrupt. I mean, it cost uh, tens of thousands of dollars, maybe more. No, tens of thousands, yeah. And 90% of it was covered by pet insurance. That we had to pay the premiums, and they raised the premiums. But what we have had to pay in veterinary bills and would have been extraordinary. We, we just couldn't afford it. We, we would have had to, um, we would have lost our house or we would have had to put the cat to sleep a year ago. I mean, it would not have been a good situation either way. So my wife takes this new cat in. It's still called ex-best friend, although uh, she's been calling it Ed Ben Fred because my son Carmine, he's taken to calling it ex-best friend. So she wants it something that's similar for him. And he's a very good boy, very nice cat. He rubs up against you. He's very kind, much more friendly than Prissy, the cat who is is there now. So my wife starts looking at uh, pet insurance for ex-best friend. And gone are the days of covering 90% of veterinary bills. Now they're only covering 70% of veterinary bills. Now that's a big difference. I, I know you may say it's only 20%. Well, when you're paying $1,000 for a vet visit... That's the difference between getting $900 covered versus getting $700 covered. But figure, okay, it's still worth doing. They're also capping all of what they'll cover at $10,000. They won't cover any veterinary bill more than $10,000. And I really wish, you know, uh, some presidential candidate, and I haven't heard much from Biden, Trump, Kennedy, Stein, or Cornell West, on this issue, I really wish somebody would make reforming the veterinary care system in this country an issue because this is an issue that I think every pet owner deals with. You get you just it's a it's a boondoggle. Honestly, as I said, I, I you get the sense that the system is rigged and the people that are benefiting are anybody but you. So I, we're now looking at other pet insurance places because this is the one that we've been using, but the combination of reducing what they'll cover to 70% plus the higher premiums plus the fact that they're capping us at only $10,000 for veterinary bills probably makes this not a good choice for us. So if you know of another one, please email me, uh, frank.morano at redappleaudionetworks.com. That's frank.morano at redappleaudionetworks.com. Additionally, so far, the cats are not getting along. Well, I should say ex-best friend is making every effort to get along with Prissy. Prissy wants nothing to do with uh, with ex-best friend. She She was hissing at him. She was you know, uh, snarling at him. She's not a friendly cat. She did get along well with our former two cats. So we're hoping that as time passes that this cold war that exists, that's one-sided, it's just on Prissy's end. The hostility is all on Prissy's end. 
I am hoping that uh, things subside a little bit. We'll see. Uh, but uh, as Yogi would say, it, it's getting late early, right? 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222. We have one open line if you want to comment. Uh, Matt Blaze, who's your colleague behind the glass there today? Who's, uh, who's screening today? This is Carlos. Carlos, hello. Welcome. Carlos. So what's your story? Let me get his mic on. Yeah, okay. Well, all right. We're, we're off to a good start so far. <laughs> Hasn't said anything crazy. Carlos. Hi, hello, Carlos. Welcome. Hi. Hi. So what's your story? Where are you from? I'm from Athens, Greece. You're from Greece? Yep. Oh, see. I see how you got the job. Okay. <laughs> got it. Enough said. Enough said. Are you a relative of uh, of John Katzmatidis or anything? No, I had no idea he uh, he was. Uh, I had no idea of him. I'm sure you didn't. You guys are, you guys are cousins, aren't you? Admit it. It doesn't work that way. I mean, it, it sounds like it works that way back home, but no, we're not like all, all related right, to each other. All right. All right. Well, put in a good word for me with John when you guys are hanging out at this uh, the, the, your next Greek family reunion that you're going to. Welcome aboard. Are you with us every day or just today? Uh, I'm filling in, like, during the week. All right. Okay. Well, so you're going to be with us for uh, at least a bit. Yep. All right. Well, uh, take note of everything Matt does and do the opposite. That's my advice. All right. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. Let me begin with uh, Darlin in Baltimore uh, listening on WCBM. Hello, Darlin. Actually, it's Darlene. Oh, Darlene. <laughs> Hi, Darlene. You know, well, he's Greek. Hi. What do you want from uh, from Carlos? Well, actually, I don't know about Carlos except for your introduction, but I just think that probably the reason that those uh, people that were voting on this bill were voting uh, for it is because they're afraid that Donald Trump is going to be president and they don't want him to have the authority to make any decisions. Uh, Darlene, I completely agree with you. I mean, look, the... Uh, poll numbers all suggest that, right? In not only the head-to-head matchups with Biden, but in swing state after swing state, it looks like uh, Trump's going to win. And what did we hear um, during the first Trump administration? We had people like Anonymous within the Trump administration, people uh, like John Bolton and General Mattis and others, all trying to subvert the Trump administration from within. So what what Trump is saying now is, all right, well, we learned our lesson the first time. We're going to make sure none of those people get to make policy if there is a second Trump administration. Now you have this bipartisan, what they call the blob, this foreign policy consensus in the Senate uh, and, and in the House, but excluding the 13 people that I just mentioned who are a little bit against the grain, both the Democrats and Republicans. And they're basically saying, all right, well, we don't care if he wins. We're not going to give him an opportunity to actually reassert uh, American sovereignty. I think you're right. I think this is largely a response. I don't know how much of this is from the senators themselves. I think it's a response from lobbyists for defense contractors to the real, real possibility that Trump will win and he'll cut off their money machine. 800-848-9222, 800-848-9222. Lynn is calling from Maryland. Hello, Lynn. Something that's been a subject of discussion in the alternative media for at least the last five years was a provision inserted into the NDAA in 2013 or 2014 called Smith-Munt Modernization. 
it effectively repealed an earlier piece of legislation called the Smith-Munt Act that specifically prohibited the United States government from conducting propaganda and psychological warfare operations against our own people and restricted them to only doing that abroad. Basically, this provision within the NDAA repealed Smith-Munt. It's called Smith-Munt modernization, and it's still in the NDAA. Let, let me ask you a question, Lynn. Um, is that in the 2024 NDAA that repealed? No, it's just, it, well, it's Or was probably, it last year? It hasn't been removed, so it's effectively part of the NDAA. Every, it's probably resumed each time, each year that they pass it. It was originally passed in the 2013 or 2014 version of the NDAA. You know, I'm not familiar with that, actually. I'll look into that. Thank you for bringing that to my attention. Didn't know anything about that. 800-848-9222. Christine is in St. Island. Hello, Christine. Hi, I'm Hi. Staten Island. Well, my screen anyway. says St. Island. <laughs> Anyway, um, yeah, Darlene pretty much said it, the same thing I was going to say, that this seems like it's an insurance policy uh, so they can hamstring Trump if he gets in. Um, but also going along with that whole globalist agenda and especially Tedros from the WHO, uh, who wants to have all the sovereign nations uh, kowtow to him and his organization for in case there's another pandemic um, and that their rules would apply to all the member countries. Um, member, not even member countries, right? Because we're all subject to the who, I guess. Um, yeah, so that's my thought. And also, uh, feel away. Feel away is a great cat, um, you know, pheromone thing that can help them all get along. So, oh, uh, give works. me the name again. Um, spell that for me if you know it. F e l i w a y. It's like the Glade plugins. Huh. I think maybe uh, we have something like that, but we could probably use a few more. I think we could we could use a few more pheromones, uh, friendly yeah, pheromones. The, in the our classic own. and the optimum ones are good. And uh, I just I can only pray that it's unraveling now for the Biden crime family. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, Marco Polo has published all the evidence in a book that you could purchase or view online. And it's a pretty substantial amount of evidence. So I, I don't understand how people are disputing this. All right. Well, you know, I'm not familiar with that Marco Polo book, so I, I can't speak to that. But, um, you know, honestly, I think the mistake people make is they get too fixated on personalities. Well, I don't like Obama, so I'm going to vote for someone who's not Obama. I'm going to try and get uh, Obama impeached. And then Obama's gone. And then it's a different personality, maybe even a different party, and it's the same policies. I mean, honestly, if you look from the, uh, from the Obama administration to the Trump administration, with the exception of Jeff Sessions, with the exception of um, Ryan Zinke, is there anybody that served at a cabinet level in the Trump administration that you could not see serving in a Jeb Bush or Hillary Clinton administration? I mean, I certainly could. Well, uh, I could. I mean, I could certainly see those same policies being implemented in a ne regular neocon administration. So it's so much more than the personalities. And, and I can't stress that enough. And I feel like I say it every day, but people say, oh, that's just Frank being Frank. Ah, oh, who cares what he says? He doesn't know what he's talking about. Maybe I don't. Listen to me anyway. Because people dangle in front of you 
the shiny object. It's like a, a cat going after uh, a laser pointer. The shiny object. Oh, there's Biden. We got to be all worked up about Biden. And then Biden goes. And then the same policies stay in place. It's not a multi-party system. It's not even a two-party system. When it comes to the important decisions being made, especially on foreign policy, especially on banking and finance, there's a uniparty. There's a uniparty. You give me a presidential administration uh, or you give me a set of uh, foreign policy and banking rules that's drawn up by Josh Hawley and Elizabeth Warren. You give me a set of rules on warrantless wiretapping that's drawn up by Rand Paul and Ron Wyden. These are people that don't agree on anything. You uh, accept everything that's important. You know, I mean, if you look from the Bush era to the Clinton era and all the Democrats hated Bush when he was there, all the Republicans hated Clinton when he was there, not all of them, but many. And you see, except for some marginal differences on taxes, was there really any significant difference in their policies? But the people that are willing to blindly go with the partisan flow, they just go with it. They just go with it. Oh, yeah, we got rid of Clinton. We got Bush. Yeah. Um, They just go with it. But if you look from Bush to Clinton, both supportive of free trade, both supportive of corporate bailouts, both supportive of military interventionism whenever possible, both supportive of things like warrantless wiretapping. So I can't stress this enough. Don't get distracted by the personalities. Pay attention to the policies behind the personalities. Personalities are great. In professional wrestling. But when decisions about who can spy on you, where your tax money is going, where military bases are being built, and who, which governments are getting massive amounts of American aid, you got to look beyond the personalities. You'll find that there are some people that you don't like that are saying something that you will agree with. And, I, I, you know, I've always said, and you can't do this now, right? But I've, well, I've always said that it would be nice that whenever you hired someone for a really important job, you didn't look at the name. You didn't look at the gender. You didn't look at the race. You just looked at what they've done, what their characteristics were, what their, um, what their experience was, and made a decision based on that. I often think when people who pay attention to politics choose who to root for and who to root against, that they didn't pay attention to the names. They just paid attention to what these folks were saying. I mean, we could do a whole show just on the power that the Federal Reserve has over your life. I mean, yesterday, the Federal Reserve announced uh, probably no more interest rate hikes and rate cuts coming next year. What happened? They, the stock market went crazy. All the Fed had to do was say that, that there's going to be probably some rate cuts next year. And the stock market went crazy. One man, Jerome Powell, appointed by both Trump and Biden. Again, we go to that uniparty. One man caused the stock market to go crazy. So... I'm not trying to sound like a uh, conspiracist or anything like that. I, I do have a conspiratorial bent here and there.
But I think if you look at how policy is made in, instead of how the personalities are elected, I think you'll see a great deal more. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. We'll continue with your calls and a whole lot more straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Father Christmas, I love this song. Love the kinks in general. They are terrific. I'll I'll refrain from offering my view on Chris Cuomo because I've said so much about him in the past and, you know, it's not really relevant here. And I don't like to say anything negative about anybody. And who am I to sit in judgment of, of, of anybody? Because I'm sure if the, the people that sit in judgment of me, they would have a real laugh at me saying anything about Chris Cuomo that was less than flattering. But I have to tell you, uh, I was really disgusted, quite honestly, at a uh, segment that he did on his News Nation show on Tuesday. Are you familiar with uh, Tourette's Syndrome? Tourette's syndrome is basic is is awful, and I've known a few people with Tourette's over the years. Uh, Jamani Williams, the public advocate in New York City, has very mild Tourette's syndrome. Uh, Tourette's syndrome basically you have all these tics and involuntary words and movements that occur, but um, you can't control it, and a lot of times it's profanity. Right. And with in the case of Jamani Williams, I don't hear a lot of profanity when I'm around him, but he does have a lot of those ticks. He moves around in an involuntary manner. The first I remember hearing about it was about 30 something years ago when Jim Eisenreich was a baseball player. He played for the Phillies in that World Series team they were on in 93. And I think he played for the Royals before that. But, I, you know, I followed baseball pretty closely back then. And Jim Eisenreich had Tourette's syndrome and was very open about it. I thought that's just so terrible. And a lot of people still don't get it. And can you imagine to be a young person afflicted with Tourette's syndrome? Balin Dupree is one such young person afflicted with Tourette's syndrome. She's 21 years old, and she has a channel on TikTok. And she uses this channel to raise awareness of the neurological disorder. So she goes on News Nation with Chris Cuomo, and I'm going to play you some of this. And you can't see all of it, but while she's there cursing involuntarily, 
Cuomo is smiling like the cat that ate the canary. And then he breaks down into laughter. Now, look, maybe it can be something funny when you're doing a serious interview on a serious subject and somebody just starts randomly cursing at you. But it it came across almost to me like he was he was mocking her. And look, I'm not a shrinking violet. Uh, I, I've made fun of people on the radio before. But it's not right. Not right what he did. Not right if I've done. This is a, a little bit of uh, Balin Dupree on uh, News Nation with Chris Cuomo. Listen to this. And then I also get what? very evil people that would comment and say, like, go f*** yourself, Chris. Little baby weenie, blow up your ass. What are your own biscuit, fat ass? That have told me that my parents deserved to die in a car accident because I'm faking my condition. Or people have told me that, like, I've had to have the police at my house because people gave out my location and said they're going to come torch my house. Like, it's crazy. <laughs> thing clinically people suck and they're mean and they're stupid and they try to make themselves feel better by going after others and you are the antidote my young friend you know i'm sorry in that clip and maybe we could find uh, some more of the interview in that clip you really don't hear chris cuomo laughing but he's breaking down into hysterics and i like what he said there but he was kind of forced to hide his laughter behind his hands when she spent several seconds experiencing heavy ticks that forced her to squint her face and wave her hands as she cursed. So uh, she's saying, uh, you know, go F yourself, Chris, little baby wiener, banana up your blank, uh, butter up your own biscuit, blank, blank. And Dupree jumps right back into the conversation that she was having and shared some of these evil com- the comments that she gets from people. And Cuomo's fumbling to straighten back up and plastered a, a very serious look on his face as he listens to this college freshman share how dangerous her life's become since uh, reaching online fame. So I, I really thought it was um, inappropriate that he was laughing in the manner that he was. He wasn't even just laughing. He was giggling. Giggling. You know, during this whole thing, we'll try and find some more of the uh, the audio of this. And um, he acknowledged it. I think he noticed that he was giggling and recognized how bad that looks. And he said, through giggling, I'm laughing because I get what it's about. And that's why I don't care. It's not curse words to be mean. And the difference matters. Maybe I'm being too harsh. Um, on him, and look, good for him for doing this segment, uh, bringing bringing attention to a serious neurological disorder. I just felt like he was doing this. You remember the Elephant Man? The Elephant Man, which was actually produced by Mel Brooks. A lot of people don't know that. The Elephant Man was suffering from something very real, right? And people treated him almost like a carnival attraction. And that's kind of the impression that I got with what Chris Cuomo was trying to do with uh, Miss Dupree here, so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and link to the whole segment on my on my Facebook page, at, at facebook.com/slash moranofan, and you could judge for yourself whether he was exhibiting uh, professionalism or whether he was just being kind of a jerk.
800-848-9222. Uh, let's go to another Chris, this time in the Catskills. Hello, Chris. Good morning, Frank. If I was your agent, I'd make sure you got a television show just like Chris Cuomo. One of these networks would be smart to give you one. You'd have better uh, I, guests than you'd. You'd hold it together as an interviewer. Uh, I, I'm not sure about that. I, I'm not. You know, I, the the phrase "face for radio" has almost become a cliche, but uh, I much prefer radio. You know, I go on television from time to time, and inevitably, you're asked to explain the most complex issue in the world, which people uh, spend hours debating, studying, analyzing. Oh, give us forty seconds on it. So it, it's such a, a, a so often such a shallow medium. But uh, but that's besides the point. I appreciate the compliment. They uh, they have professional makeup people, so I think they'd take care of you on that fair, front. Fair enough. That fair would enough. be your concern. But uh, so you're you were discussing the the thing that I took note of when you named off the senators that voted against the defense spending bill. All the Republicans have a strong libertarian uh, bend to them. And uh, what is the term and duration of this spending bill? It's a How year. Long is it? It's a year. Okay, so Trump, it wouldn't necessarily hold under Trump. It wouldn't hold under Trump then. Um, so I think one aspect you were touching upon, how the executive branch has become too strong, I've brought it up before. If they were to figure out through staggering how to make the House of Representatives three-year terms, that would give, I believe, a little bit more power back to the House of Representatives because they'd actually have... Uh, 12 months out of a 36-month cycle to do their job. Right now, with two-year terms in the House, all they do is campaign and, and raise money all the time. They really don't uh, do their jobs of raising money and evaluating uh, laws that are pre-existingly made, constituent services, create new laws and new policies, adequately review the budget. They don't do any of those things. Yeah, uh, Chris, thank you. I um, I have to run, and those of you that are holding, please hold, and we'll, we'll get to you after the top of the hour. The, the one thing I would add, and I, I can see both cases for lengthening the term of a representative or not lengthening it, but that would require a constitutional amendment. My problem with the growth of the imperial presidency is that all of this has been done without constitutional amendments. The uh, War Powers Act, for instance. It, I mean, no constitutional amendment there. Whole and that's just one of many examples. There's example after example where the powers of the presidency just grow without any constitutional amendments. But we'll get into that and a whole lot more throughout the course of the program. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Still to come, Jim McCann and Brian Kilmeade. Your influence counts. Use it.